0: This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to Earthwise Environment and Peace with Justice interviews on Plains FM 96.9. Welcome to Earthwise. I'm Lois Griffiths. Martin and I are delighted to be talking today with a distinguished American journalist, Philip Weiss, founder and senior editor of the website Well,
1: Lois and I recommend visiting that website. It's a valuable source of any news regarding the struggle for Palestinian human rights. Welcome to Earthwise, Phil Weiss.
2: Thanks so much. My pleasure.
0: Well, Phil, Martin and I decided to try to contact you after reading an article you wrote for DeVice in September titled, How Powerful is the Israel Lobby? It appears to us that American politicians, even at the top, will not criticize Israeli ongoing violence against Palestinians, even massive ethnic cleansing taking place now in the West Bank, daily raids and killing, and even assassinating an American Palestinian journalist. Why the silence from the political elite?
2: Well, I think that uh, the Israel lobby has a a very prominent role in American politics, and it's a corrupt role in as much as uh, these are pro-Israel forces that uh, use money to convince politicians to go a certain way. And uh, as you know, American elections are highly dependent on money. And the Israel lobby is uh, a um, special interest, of, and it's people who have a lot of resources to uh, convince politicians to stay on the right side of the Israel issue. So to give you two examples of that power, uh, in 1991, 30 years ago, George H.W. Bush, President George H.W. Bush, wanted to challenge Israel over the settlements, uh, the ongoing settlements in the West Bank, because he thought this is where the uh, Palestinian state is going to be. We can't have uh, Jews, Israeli Jews moving into that territory. He did challenge uh, the uh, Israel over that. And the Israel lobby supported his opponent Bill Clinton in the next election, uh, 1992, and George Bush lost. Now he lost for a number of reasons, but you can't leave out that factor of the Israel lobby opposing him. And certainly his son felt that way. Uh, even um, Tom Friedman agrees about this, uh, the very pro-Israel pop columnist, of the New York Times. His son, George Bush said, I will never be out Israel. And the fact that his administration, that came in eight years later, was so pro-Israel, was, to some large degree, a reflection of the uh, his reading of the political map. George Bush's understanding that the Israel lobby was powerful, and if it opposed you, you had a uh, short, um, you wouldn't have a lot of longevity. Another example I'd offer is the fact that Donald Trump, much more recent example, Donald Trump did everything Israel wanted or Netanyahu wanted uh, after he got in in 2016 because Sheldon Adelson was giving uh, the Republican party upward of $130 million and Donald Trump too, his campaigns, he was the largest Republican donor and Sheldon Adelson cared about only one thing, Israel. And uh, Trump was very transactional about that. So he moved the embassy, he trashed the Iran deal, these major things uh, major, uh, changes in American policy, uh, uh, happened because he was essentially bribed, as I see it. And, uh, when I say changes in American policy, I'd say the largest of them all is the fact that we've been against, we've been for a two-state solution in America, allegedly, uh, supposedly on the part of the, uh, White House and, and, uh, leading politicians. And yet we've allowed Israel to colonize the West Bank with 750,000 Jewish uh, settlers. So completely destroyed our policy. And I think we have done it because of uh, political bribery in, in so many words from the Israel lobby.
0: And occasionally we hear about the politicians who do speak out. Um, how do you pronounce the last name, Rashida?
2: Well, Rashida Tlaib think- is a, uh, yes. To Tlaib. Yes, She's a congresswoman. She's a Palestinian-American congresswoman from the Detroit area and a Muslim in our Congress and a wonderful, wonderful politician. And she has been very critical of Israel. You mentioned the killing of Shireen Abu Akleh, the Amer- Palestinian-American journalist in uh, May. And um, Shireen, uh, uh, Rashida tulib has stood up again and again for uh, Shireen Abu Akleh and um Rashida Tlaib has also insisted that we should not be sending military aid the United States should not be sending military aid to an apartheid government and that is what Israel is. Well Rashida, but, Rash- but uh, just I'm sorry just to conclude she uh, is a uh, represents a um uh, a left wing Uh, faction in the Democratic Party, but it's still very much a minority in the Democratic Party to leave. And so the Democratic Party seeks to quash her over these issues because it's worried about uh, the contributions of the Israel lobby going elsewhere.
0: I have a quote from her. She's recently said, "'You cannot claim to hold progressive values yet back back Israel's apartheid government.'" And she got attacked for saying that, didn't she? She did. It was a wonderful quote because it was very clear about her political values
2: and about anyone's political values, really. That that if you're going to support apartheid, and that's what Israel is now, you can't call yourself a progressive. And this was extremely upsetting to the Israel, the pro-Israel organizations. When I say Israel lobby, I I'm largely speaking about pro-Israel organizations, but. It does include journalists. It does include certain politicians who are very active for Israel. Uh, so these, that group of people, these politicians, these organizations flipped out over this because it, it's suggesting to young Democrats and progressive Democrats that you can't support Israel and call yourself a progressive. And I think that is an accurate statement. That's so but important it's a, also a threat. It's a political threat, obviously.
1: In fact, uh, really, it's, it's quite monolithic. It's not just the Democrats, it's all the American established and everyone is
2: pro-Israel, isn't it? Um, I'd be careful of the word everyone, but I do agree about um, that it's mono monolith- there's a monolithic component to it, and that even liberal Zionists, there are different branches of the Israel lobby, but even liberal Zionists who are critical of the settlements want the money to keep going to Israel, the military aid, uh, oppose the description of Israel as an apartheid state. And um, Israel's racism, they will rationalize by saying, well, it's the same in America. America is struggling with a white supremacist faction and Israel is struggling with a Jewish um, supremacist faction. But, the truth is that is the Israeli government is dominated by that faction, and most I- Israelis subscribe to that philosophy, which is Zionism, and they pass laws saying that Jews have higher rights than Palestinians and an exclusive right of self-determination in the state of Israel. So, really, is officially an apartheid state, and um, the Israel lobby's job is to deny that in the United States and make sure that. Support is bipartisan, Uh, and um, uh, but but to your monolithic point, recently the head of the um, uh, a leading uh, congressman uh, for Israel, a guy named Josh Gottheimer, said it would be a disaster if one party supported Israel and the other didn't, because then you'd have the president going against Congress, and it would become politicized, and. At that point, people would be allowed to criticize Israel. That would be a disaster. So the lobby exists to make sure that it's fence post to fence post support, with the exceptions of a few people like Rashida Tlaib.
0: Well, I remember Rashida Tlaib from the incident, I'm not sure how long ago it was, when she wanted to go to Israel to visit her grandmother. And Netanyahu said no. And this is an American politician wanting to visit her grandmother.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah. She couldn't go. The United States, Israel, which gets uh, four, you know, uh, uh, four billion a year in military aid, more than just uh, I think any other country, uh, said no, you can't come. And what was the response of the United States? It should have, you know, called in the ambassador. It should have said absolutely, she can come. It should have uh, um, withdrawn the military aid. It should have indicated this is not the action of a friendly country but uh, Trump acceded to that, and um, I'm sure that Biden would too.
0: Well, Phil, we introduced you as the founder of the website mondavice.net, and I'm glad you did it, but why? Why did you undertake this?
2: I started it in 2006 as a blog, and I was then 50 years old, and I started it in truth because uh, journalism was going that way. And I wanted to see how journalism worked uh, on the Internet, uh, solely on the Internet. And um, I so it was largely out of professional reasons that I started as a blog at a very friendly newspaper in New York. Now, a year later, I got fired by that newspaper, Mm. which was then owned by Jared Kushner, Trump's son in law. Um, because my, I had come out as an anti-Zionist in that year, but I would say that uh, what happened was that when I started the blog, uh, I, you really have to. I, I was writing about um, uh, what I cared most about, which was the Iraq War and why the United States had embarked on that disaster, and. It required examining the Israel lobby. And in March 2006, at about the time I started the blog, uh, Walton Mearsheimer, these political scientists in the United States, published a paper about the Israel lobby that was a bombshell. And a lot of the life of the blog became why is American policy so blindly, monolithically supportive of Israel? And So soon after I started the blog, I had to face the fact that I was writing a lot about Israel in a very critical way, and I'd never been there. And in the summer of 2006, I went to Israel for the first time. Mm. I went to Palestine for the first time, and I saw that it was apartheid, and I wrote about that, and I think that's what got me fired by Jared Kushner some months later, but Uh, I guess to answer your question, um, I started it out of professional reasons, but I soon realized that my passion was uh, uh, the sort of Jewish um, consideration of Zionism. This was a very big issue, uh, and I had intellectual ambition and professional ambition, and I felt that I had a responsibility to, as an American, to offer my knowledge of the Jewish community's attachment to Zionism. John Mearsheimer, who wrote that book, uh, The Israel Lobby, said to me very early on, Phil, your job is to explain why the American Jewish community, the highest uh, achieving community in America, the best educated, the most liberal, uh, one of the wealthiest, probably the wealthiest community by religion in the United States, this community that in with, with I have always considered to be a model of a achievement and intellectual um, brilliance, this is Mearsheimer saying, how they have embraced apartheid. And that was a great question when he framed it to me 15 years ago, and it's still a great
0: question today. So it's back to money, isn't it, really? It's um, the control of the media. It's quite frightening. Well, I would say, it,
2: no, I mean, Y- yes and no. I mean, the the question of why this community that is so uh, highly educated and so liberal by and large, why it supports apartheid, I I think that has to do with um, the shadow of the Holocaust and Jewish fears of say uh, for safety and anti-Semitism, but it's a um, it's a very ignoble response to uh, those real concerns to create an apartheid, uh, to support an apartheid state. Yes, the sir. functioning of the Israel lobby, yes, uh, depends on money, but within the Jewish community, I think the problem is a very spiritual, uh, existential uh, one that uh many it, 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 it there's many factors, There's no excuse for the the conduct, but it does reflect uh, a a community that has been somewhat self-contained for centuries and the subject of persecution, um, adopting a philosophy of going back or going to, of settler colonialism, going to Palestine, and it hasn't worked out well.
0: Um, I've heard of cases of um, people growing up with this Zionist indoctrination, really, Jewish people and then going over there and seeing things with their eyes and thinking of
1: yes I was going to say there's no substitute for going there and seeing it for yourself you really are convinced when you see it for yourself and we've been there several times and it happened to us as well and And how do you feel about it well like you
0: (laughs) well we've been too and it's eye open it's really they call it a life changing it has changed our lives since we think about it and we learn more and more
2: uh huh uh huh so when you um, so it was uh, it changed your life to go over there and see the persecution of the Palestinian people? Am I hearing uh, is that correct?
0: We went with the Israeli Committee Against House Demolitions, who taught uh-huh. us a lot, uh-huh.
1: and uh, it has uh, occupied our sort of all our waking thoughts ever since. Not exaggerating all that much, since we went four times and saw it and for ourselves. how
2: long ago was that? I mean, I, I think uh, it's wonderful uh, that you. Were-
1: Yeah, our last visit was 10 years ago. But ever since then, Uh we've been giving talks and uh, doing broadcasts like this because of the feelings we have for it. It it involves you emotionally as well as intellectually.
2: Of course, yeah. 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 And we learn more and more. Yes. And, of course, one has this obligation, all human beings do, I think to bear witness to great suffering it, when people are opening their homes to you yes. and taking risks to show you what they're experiencing and um, putting their lives on the line, really. And you're you're very, we are very, I mean, I can't speak for you, but I'm a very privileged person that I can go and visit this. Uh, the least I can do is come back home and tell people what's going on uh, and that w- what we're supporting and that is being denied in our media.
0: That was our experience. They want people to come, and they're very welcoming. And, yes, we've been into people's houses, and we learned the stories, some of the stories, and we continue to learn. Yes, and what tradition do you come out of?
2: What is your professional or uh, uh, community? Well, we're, we're retired or...
0: teachers, actually, just retired teachers. I... We, we met in Africa, so we've been interested in international issues. One way or yeah. the other, and so yeah. cons- And what do
2: you say when people say you're singling Israel out? Pardon? When you're sing- accusing
1: Israel of singling, What about other? There's always a favorite one. Yeah, yeah. Theirs. There's a lot
2: of other. A lot of countries doing a lot of bad things. Why are you singling singling Israel out? They'll well, say I say because
0: I've been there because I've seen things with my own eyes that don't get in the media, and uh uh-huh, uh uh-huh. And there's much more to Israel than people who say. It's a, a major exporter of weapons. I mean, yes, it's just the way true. people are treated. It's its basic, I think.
2: And how are Kiwis dealing with the, how would you say, by and large, they're dealing with these issues? Or this knowledge that you're bringing back to them?
0: But what worries me now, in our own media here, is that it's all about Ukraine and nothing else. I can't even get a letter to uh-huh. the paper about yeah. shutting Abu Akhman, the journalists being killed. Yes. I, I can't get a letter in the paper about the attacks on Alaska world. Mosque. You know, it's the third holiest um, well, mosque so. in the Muslim religion. So it's, yes. it's, it's frustrating, very frustrating. We give them many talks, and yet getting, the politicians are afraid. I'll put it that way. They're afraid of saying B- BDS. And okay, yet,
2: and what, what compels them in New Zealand? Uh, I've described these forces that are co- so compelling. Com- impulsive in American politics, how do, you, how do you answer that question with respect to New Zealand?
0: Well, it's, it's shocking that you have to argue. They just say BDS is a non-violent cry for help. I've even told them, if we're religious at all, it's sort of a Christian background, we've told about the, um, the Kairos Declaration. The cry for help on behalf of all people by Christian leaders in palestine you know, we, we should be helping them yet there's this fear of being how do you called explain that?
2: that how do you explain that politicians have um, uh, are afraid i i i mean i feel that they're afraid here because of the power of the pro-israel organizations is that also the case in well i guess uh, it is it, it
0: just you can't say bds and they just mm-hmm, change the subject mm-hmm, it's an mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. Even though I've been well a candidate a long time ago, but um, it's a uh, I do admire your website and the people we've learned. Thank you. And um, thank you. Oh, do you think BDS
2: is making progress?
0: Oh, trying. We've tried to connect it with the South African situation, saying you because know, there was a strong anti-apartheid movement against South Africa some time ago. In a way, I'm a bit awkward with saying it's like apartheid in South Africa, because it's not. It's much. Mm-hmm. It's a settler colonial determination to um, rid, not only rid the land of the indigenous people and taking over their land and their water, but rid knowledge about their history and their culture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so it's, mm-hmm. it's an issue with us. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, it's funny, we're being interviewed now, but it's fascinating talking to you. I I just want to um, say, before we run out of time, I think it's important uh, to—well, I wanted to mention the academic world, because I like to think, okay, there's power of the Israel lobby over the politicians, well, that's money, and over the media, well, okay, but what about the academic world? That should be something special, a sort of oasis of free speech, shouldn't they?
2: Yes, but I would say that the academic world, if you listen to the Israel lobby, and I pay a lot of attention to what they say, they say they've lost the academic world. So I think there's something, um, there's some truth in that, that uh, the academic world is becoming very unfriendly to Israel in the United States. And that's great news.
0: Yes, I was hoping to get onto a positive message and, um, yeah, that's positive. Yeah. <laughs> that, is,
2: that
1: is positive in a way, isn't it?
0: thats is, Do you yeah. see hope then?
2: Well, I'm very hopeful because, um, you know, I regard the Jewish community as the gatekeeper of this question in the United States. I think that people defer to the Jewish community on this question, not just because of the, um, the money, but also because... There's a perception, there's a great respect given to Jew- Jews because after all, uh, we were uh, very nearly exterminated from uh, uh, Europe or and, and a third of our global population was exterminated during the Holocaust. And so the Jewish uh, community's ideas of what makes it safe are things that people pay attention to and have great respect for. And there's like a Holocaust museum, several Holocaust museums. So I think that people defer to Jews and um, yes, there is this uh, uh, Israel lobby bribery that I think that goes on, but there's this kind of existential deference, spiritual deference that goes on. And I think the Jewish community is changing. I think that young Jews are no longer as um, influenced by the Holocaust as their parents and grandparents were. And they are saying, um, they're they're seeing what's going on in Israel and they're shocked and upset by it. And they are saying not in our name. And so they are going to license uh, uh, the wider American community to take positions against Israel and to support BDS, ultimately.
0: Yes, tell people here that the opposition to Zionism from America is coming from the, the, the Jewish young community, young yes. Jews, but, and the fear is, <laughs> for us is the uh, evangelical Christians who, who okay. seem to be the ones who are supporting um, what's happening. And also the, a group we re- respect, we've interviewed several of the members, is the Jewish Voice for Peace. They're aren't great, they, aren't they? Fantastic. Yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there we are. Yeah,
2: but I would say, um, I would say that many young progressives, including people of color, are opposed to apartheid in Israel, and the uh, coalition that is going to end apartheid in Israel and Palestine is going to be a very broad one in the United States, in on, among progressives, of course.
0: From Ferguson to Jerusalem, was it? From Ferguson to Palestine, I think was the...
2: Yeah, there's yeah. that. There's that. Yeah.
0: So, we, thank you for talking to us, Phil Weiss. It's been fascinating. Well, thank you,
2: Lois. Thank and, you so um, much. Again, uh, I'm, uh, uh, Yeah, it's been a great pleasure Anytime, time, and I'll try to be better about hitting my mark next time. <laughs> it's been worth it. It's been very good.
0: And I'll that just remind good. listeners of the website. One word... Mondo Voice, M-O-N-D-O-W-E-I-S-S dot net. We visit it every day. There's some fantastic um, work there. Thank you so much. Well,
2: thank you, Lois. Thanks, Martin. Thank Thank you. you. Talk to you again before long. Okay.
0: Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Well, Martin, that was fun, wasn't it? Oh, yes. We almost—we were being—it's more like having a conversation, and we were partly being interviewed as well. It was fascinating.
1: It's, uh, it's I, fascinating I, to be on the other end of it, isn't it? Yeah, is I it?
0: wish we could all be in the same room, but <laughs> it's the best we can do. As he's in New York, and here we are in New Zealand, but a um, great privilege of ours, Martin, to be able to talk to such an outstanding humanitarian, outstanding journalist. It'd be a brilliant combination. So, from Earth, Earthwise. Goodbye. Goodbye.